Hello and welcome into BTN's Take 10 Podcast. This is Alex Rue BTN.com, and you are listening to episode 2 of the 2018 BTN Bus Tour edition of the Take 10 Podcast. Uh, I did this last year where I went around to all the Big Ten schools, interviewed a player at each stop, and I did it again in 2018. We already have one episode out from uh, parts of the eastern leg of the 2018 tour where we talked to players at Indiana, Maryland, Rutgers, and Penn State. And this will be, like I said, episode two. And uh, on this episode, we wrap up the eastern leg of the BTN bus tour and get a little bit into the west. So we feature players on this episode from Michigan, Michigan State, Wisconsin, and Minnesota. So we'll get right into it in just a second. I'll, I'll run down the players that we got for you coming up. Uh, first, talk to Noah Furbush, a linebacker in Michigan, who is an aspiring astronaut and a licensed pilot. So uh, a ton of interesting stuff going on with him. And we got into his uh, life off the field as well as uh, some Wolverines talk as well. Moved on to Michigan State, where I talked to senior defensive back Kari Willis. Kari uh, gave the Big Ten kickoff luncheon speech and did a great job back in July. So I talked to him about that, talked to him uh, kind of the impetus for that speech and, and the passion behind it as well as some Spartan football. After that, we uh, headed west on the western leg of the BTM bus tour, where I talked to Elite Sakapulu, the defensive end at Wisconsin, who has come to be known not only for his uh, run-stuffing play in the D-line at Wisconsin, but for his backflipping expertise. He's a, a viral sensation on social media because he can pull off a backflip at 300-plus pounds. So, great time talking to Olive, and then... We'll wrap this episode up with a discussion. Minnesota Golden Gopher, Bailey Schoenfelder. Bailey recently was brought on scholarship at Minnesota in, in pretty much the coolest way possible. And we talk a lot about that as uh, he's a aspiring um, soldier in the military. And he was surprised by head coach PJ Fleck with a, another viral moment. Navy SEALs parachuted into Minnesota's TCF Bank Stadium and presented him with his scholarship. So tons of interesting stuff to talk about. We get to all of it on this episode of the Take 10 Podcast. And um, we'll get right to it in just a second. Uh, before we do that, just want to remind everyone to go ahead and like, rate, and subscribe to the Take 10 Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Podbean, and YouTube. All right, so let's get to the first interview. We'll start in Ann Arbor, Michigan with senior Michigan linebacker Noah Furbush. That interview with Noah starts right now. I'm very pleased to be joined in Ann Arbor, Michigan, in uh, the glistening, you know, Schembechler Hall here. Very nice by senior Wolverine linebacker Noah uh, Furbush. Noah, thanks for joining me, man. How you doing? Thanks so much for having me. I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing great. Um, again, it's great to be here. You know, I always love coming to Michigan because your facilities are top notch and you guys are always nice and uh, accommodating. So. When I ask the reps from each school to give me like interesting guests for this podcast, uh, you're probably like the blueprint for, for what I want because, you know, honestly above and beyond, because not only are you comfortable talking with the media from what I've seen, you have a very interesting life outside of football. So I'll let you kind of introduce it. If you could just to- go ahead and tell the listeners uh, about your academic and professional pursuits outside of football. Yeah, I'll try not to disappoint. Um, so I'm a fifth year senior. Uh, Um, I recently graduated last spring aerospace engineering and now I'm doing a space engineering master's program and I'll graduate again this coming spring. Um, I'm an outside linebacker on the football team um, and I also have uh, a private pilot's license uh, which I got about two years ago 
Um, so I have around 75 flight hours. Uh, and after I graduate this spring, I'm looking forward to uh, pursuing an aviation career in the uh, United States Marine Corps. That's amazing. And we'll get into some uh, aviation questions. I have some, some pilot-related questions for you, especially what's been going on in the news lately for you in a little bit. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you just completed uh, this program in aerospace engineering. And uh, I read up that you spent the past summer with Ford out in, out in Dearborn um, yeah. doing some work with them. So what went into that ex experience and that internship? Yeah, that was an incredible experience. Um, really thankful to all the people at Ford um, that made that happen for me and uh, that I was able to work with. Um, really positive experience. Um, I'm not sure how much I'm technically allowed to say about okay. that experience. Uh, I did sign, you know, like an NDA and stuff, but uh, um, it was a really awesome experience. Um, what I will say is I worked on uh, sustainability of different modes of transportation, um, and we have a publication forthcoming on that. Um, so some really exciting stuff. Um, uh, hopefully it'll be out there for the media and everybody, uh, you know, within the coming months, and we'll see how that all pans out. But uh, really awesome experience working with Ford. Yeah, exciting stuff. Um, you grew up actually small town in Ohio, um, yep. Buckeye country. How did you become interested in, in a field like aviation and aerospace engineering and, and um, you know, all this high tech stuff uh, growing up in the Midwest? Yeah, for sure. Um, I think it started out, you know, in second or third grade, I would sit there in class and draw pictures of airplanes and, you know, uh, just doodle like any other kid. Um, I watched a lot of Star Wars. I'm a big fan of Star Me Wars. Me too. Love Star Wars. I want to be Han Solo, <laughs> stuff like You're that. Get your own Millennium Falcon fired <laughs> up. Um, and yeah, uh, aerospace sounded like you know the best deal, and I decided to come to Michigan because of that. You know, uh, there's no other school out there that has that combination of top tier engineering school, aerospace engineering, uh, with top tier football program. Uh, you can play at the highest level and get the highest level degree. Um, so I decided to come here and uh, do this program. When did you actually get your pilot's license? So that was November 22nd, 2016. Uh, and that's also the last day I've flown. Really? Uh, flying is an expensive hobby. So Yeah, as I imagine, <laughs> yeah. Um, so what kind of aircraft have you flown, I guess, uh, when you were not only training but then when you actually got your license uh, on that, that one day? Yeah, so I fly a four-seater Cessna, a Cessna 172. Uh, it's a single-engine land aircraft. Um, I have about 75 flight hours. Um, flown to, actually I've flown to South Bend. Oh, wow. Uh, so my girlfriend uh, went to school at St. Mary's College, which is right across the street yep. from South Bend. Uh, so for one of my uh, qualifying, qualifying uh, cross-country flights, I took a flight to surprise her at uh, Elkhart Airport, which is right outside of South Bend there, uh, which was pretty cool. Yeah, it's really cool. Um, so just on the topic of, you know, aviation, big news this week has been, uh, you know, the sad story really out of, out of Washington State, um, where the mechanic for Alaska Airlines pretty much stole a plane, you know, and took off and flew it and then ultimately crashed it. To me, it was just unbelievable that, you know, he was able to get the aircraft off the ground, especially it was, it was a passenger plane, you know, uh, like 50 seat or something like that plane. Um, with your experience, like, were you, were you surprised that somebody with no flight experience is able to get a plane off the ground and, you know, do some maneuvers in the air, um, even at all, essentially? 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, that was a really tragic event. Uh, you know, the mental health issues behind that and just everything that went down, very tragic. But uh, um, I think, uh, you know, there's a lot of layers to that. But um, for somebody who's not trained on an aircraft, just to get it off the ground is a pretty impressive feat. Right. Um, I remember the first time hopping in an airplane, uh, trying to steer it with my feet. I almost put it in the ditch, so... <laughs> You know that's that's not easy. Yeah, I mean the guy said he like he's like oh I played video games before on the recording and it's like that's insane to me. Yeah. Um, I've heard interviews of yours where you said you wanted to be, uh, you know, have some involvement in space travel. Um, with your academic background, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, I know you said you know you want to be a pilot, but what are your aspirations as far as uh, you know maybe leaving? This planet goes how far as far as leaving this planet goes. Um, tell me about your your astronaut aspirations. Yeah, for sure. Um, a hero of mine is John Glenn, and you know he's a uh, he started out in the uh, Army Air Corps and uh, decided to switch over to the Marine Corps because he uh, wanted to fly a certain type of airplane. And so, um, you know, I'm kind of in that same uh, in that same timeline of my life right now, where I'm thinking about you know being a, a pilot in the uh, Marine Corps. Um, but also, you know, I'm, I'm a dreamer and I'm thinking ahead at stuff like that. And, uh, you know, doing this space engineering master's program that I'm in right now, um, I'm always thinking about, you know, what else could I do with this aviation background? Uh, what could I be doing in 10 years after I uh, get done flying in the military? And um, Yeah, I'd, I'd love to you know, leave the planet and see what it's like out there. Uh, you know, it's looking right now like uh, with everything that's in the news, with uh, uh, the big Falcon rocket, the uh, all the things SpaceX is doing, um, all the things uh, you see from Blue Origin and NASA and all sorts of different space agencies around the world, ESA. Uh, it doesn't look like traveling to another planet is out of the picture within the next 10 years. Yeah, I was going to ask how close do you think you know non-astronauts traveling to space how far off do you think that is because it seems like you know all those companies you know entrepreneurs you, you listed both uh you know, private companies and nasa and stuff like that how uh how close do you think that is and how uh, realistic do you think it is to think you know you could be flying a uh commandeering a spaceship and then i could be in there as, as a passenger yeah you think about the term astronaut and it you know it has so much respect that comes with it. You know, it's, we put the best of the best of our civilization in uh, in these roles. Uh, people like John Glenn, uh, really just amazing people. Um, and then you think about these civilian spaceflight programs that we'll have and that are coming up, where you know any hundreds of or thousands of people can be up and be and technically an astronaut, which is pretty cool. Um, and really with again with what you see with, uh, from SpaceX and Blue Origin that doesn't look out of the picture yeah it's really uh, some exciting stuff I'm a, I'm a big space nut space nerd clearly your breadth of knowledge is far deeper than mine but it's <laughs> stuff that I uh, like to you know, research in my spare time um, so yeah all these academic opportunities have presented themselves to you uh, you touched on it how Michigan was the draw for those reasons um, you've also gotten to do some really cool st things for the football program here these last couple of off seasons especially you went to Rome and Italy um, last spring and then went to Paris uh, this year. So 
I gotta ask, you have a preference between the two trips? Did one stand out over the other? I know, uh, I know you're a, a photographer of sorts, so you, you know you really got to look closely at both cities. Which which place did you prefer? Photographer might be a loose term for me. All right, um, I tried my best out there. Uh, our team photographer David Turnley, you know, he's an amazing guy. Uh, has had all these cool experiences, and I had the opportunity to take his class. So, well, I had Mike McCray in here this very room last year, and yeah. he was telling me about his uh, his photographer exploits. You know, he he's, <laughs> he was big into it. So it's interesting they've set me up with two in a row now. Yeah, yeah, it's so fun. You know, um, just a fun art form, um, and really getting to learn with David uh, was really cool. Uh, just all the experiences he has and uh, trying to do stuff like that. But. Um, now, I think I'm partial to Rome because of uh, just how much I've loved Roman history growing up as a kid. You know, I wanted to be a gladiator and stuff. Um, but that said, I still love France and everything. Um, one of my favorite parts of France was, of course, uh, uh, visiting the beaches of Normandy. Um, it was such a breathtaking experience uh, being out there, being able to see the beach and the water. Um, the day we went out there was kind of overcast there was a fog coming in uh kind of water in the air and you you just really felt it you really felt moved by the experience um and we uh personally i also got to travel to the south of france and uh to toulouse which is where the uh, airbus factory is and that was also a really cool experience visiting that yeah it all sounds incredible i was in rome uh about a month ago to me, like just I mean, we saw like the standard sites, but uh, I really like the Coliseum. You know, just being a sports fan and seeing kind of how it compared to stadiums of this of this era. You know, and they kind of had it all figured out two thousand years ago or whatever it was. So yeah, I mean, that it's was still standing. Yeah, Rome was amazing, and <laughs> hopefully, uh, get to get to check France off the list here soon. But uh, basically, did the kind of blueprint you guys did, except for the meeting the Pope. We did not get to do that, <laughs> like you and uh, Coach Harbaugh got to. Um, so, you know, with all these experiences you've got to take in and all of the, uh, you know, very serious academic um, pursuits that you've had, how does it, this all kind of put football in perspective for you? Because, you know, literally you're, you've studied the, the vastness of space, you've seen the world, you've worked on projects with real impact that have NDAs attached to them. How does that all kind of put football in perspective and how do you fit football into that life? Yeah, for sure. Um one of the best experiences that I've had so far uh, was back in Rome playing at that Olympic facility and uh, you know you're surrounded by all these uh, Roman statues um, you know uh, all these like perfect human beings are surrounding you you feel like you're I don't know kind of in a, a Roman myth or something uh, just out there playing football um, that was a really cool experience um, and that that experience kind of put it in perspective to me that you know even dating back to those times you know it's just such the uh, the athleticism and the just the act of sport that we go through is just such a pure expression of our humanity um, it's it's really like a moving thing that we've always done as a human race and will continue to do yeah well put and I'm gonna package that into pretty much our wrap-up question for you, Noah, um, and that's specific to next season. Under uh, under Jim Harbaugh, you know, there, there's goals that you guys have accomplished so far. You've had some very solid teams, put a ton of guys in the NFL, won some big games, but there's also some goals that have gone unaccomplished. Um, you know, there's 
Ohio State's out there, still yet to be beaten, getting to Indianapolis for the Big Ten title game, getting to the college football playoff. Why do you believe this is a year that you can accomplish uh, those goals and, and um, you know, reach kind of the, the expectation that, that Michigan fans have? Yeah, so every every year we really have the same goals. You know, we want to do the same things. We want to beat our rivals. We want to win the Big Ten Championship. We want to win a national championship. And, you know, we talk about those things a lot and how we're supposed to get to them and achieve them. But I think this year uh, we're really about action. We're not about talking about what we want to do. We're about doing what we want to do. And, you know, we'll let our actions talk for us. All right, well said. How about for yourself and you can apply that mantra to, to this question but how about uh you know just your personal goals it's your fifth year here at michigan um do you have any sort of personal goals you want to accomplish with it being your final lap around campus here <laughs> absolutely um i think the thing that i want to see the most is just to make my parents proud make my family proud um you know i've been so fortunate that they haven't missed a game in four years that i've been here and I'm sure it'll be five years now. Um, and really, just my whole time here has been for them, uh, been for my family. So uh, really looking forward to spending every weekend with them. All right, Noah, well, you've been very generous with your time. Really enjoyed our discussion. Um, definitely different, you know, as far as the topics we talked about. And, uh, you know, it's what I like to do, get outside the box and, and uh, get to know football players off the field. So really appreciate you taking some time today with me. Thanks so much. Thanks a lot to Noah for joining me. Really fascinating discussion with him. And um, we'll head on over now to East Lansing, Michigan, about 45 minutes away, where we talked to senior defensive back Kari Willis. Had a really in-depth discussion with him, not only about his really impactful kickoff lunch and speech, but about his background and about Michigan State football. So we'll get to Kari Willis. That interview with Kari starts right now. I'm very pleased to be joined here in East Lansing, Michigan, after Michigan State football practice by a senior Spartan safety. He's a, also a community leader, leader in his community, and now a, a renowned speaker as well. It's uh, Kari Willis. Kari, what's up, sir? Thanks for joining me. Oh, thanks for having me. It's a, ple- it's a pre- pleasure. Excuse me, my privilege. Absolutely. Um, as I alluded to there in the, in the intro, you can kind of add public speaker now yeah. to your list of uh, major achievements alongside your football accolades a couple weeks ago. Delivered an awesome speech at the Big Ten kickoff luncheon uh, at Media Day. So first off, I want to congratulate you on a uh, hell of a job on that. Uh, isn't easy to get up in front of a couple thousand people yeah, yeah. and speak, including all uh, 14 football coaches and, and players up there. So, uh, how'd that go, man? Just in the immediate aftermath of that. Yeah, yeah. First, thanks for thanks for uh, for telling me I did a good job. I appreciate that. Yeah, so, sure. um, uh, it was a, it was a great experience, though. I think um, you know, with the right preparation, and uh, you can never really prepare for being nervous, I guess, mm-hmm. or you never really prepare for the amount of people that are being there, but. Um, I felt like I had a, a real message that a lot of uh, student athletes, um, you know, could if they didn't if they aren't doing it already, could possibly learn from. And then some of the things I went through growing up, I knew uh, other players I went through in other schools as well. So I felt that they could relate. So I just wanted to speak on behalf of myself uh, and uh, the rest of the student athletes, and I felt like I did that for sure. And uh, Kirk Cousins did it a few years back. He, yeah. he got a lot of positive feedback. What kind of feedback have you gotten? Um, you, you know, on social media for yeah. people on campus, I'm sure. You got a lot of positive feedback because, like I said, um, just in that immediate aftermath, we got a ton of feedback at BTN after we shared it on social media. So what kind of feedback did you get? Yeah, I got I got a lot of positive feedback. I got a lot of letters and, um, you know, obviously friends, family, people reaching out from uh, near and far, uh, just, uh, you know, congratulating on me and telling me that they're moved. 
I got some feedback from, you know, some old teachers that was teaching in different states now. And, you know, they're saying they're going to use, you know, some of the things that I incorporated for their class and for their young people. So I think it, uh, it opened up a lot of opportunities for me to uh, do more outreaches and stuff like that. And I'm uh, just looking forward to doing it. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I mean, people can go and listen to it. It's on it's online and on YouTube yeah. and all that. But I really like the message, you know, overall that you delivered. Not only how people, you, need, you know, need to like kind of broaden their horizons, whether it be race or economic class or, or background, whatever. But, you know, you also challenge your fellow athletes to, to give back to the community. And um, for those that haven't heard the speech yet, I guess what inspired you to make that kind of the thrust of your message? Yeah, well, I knew that, um, you know, from the community that I grew up in, um, you know, I didn't have a lot of people coming back or a lot of people that even made it out in the first place to come back and tell me, you know, the way or just inspire me to do something um, better than what I was seeing doing every day. So I felt that if I if I could incorporate, you know, the story of, you know, the Big Ten dream and, and, and how we all dreamed of being at this at this point and I can get everybody's mind back to where before we were there um, and then show them the impact that we can have now on people that are in previous positions that we were in. So I just felt like I, I thought of our platform as an opportunity for us to be a light uh, to those people that are like us and then even learn about people but they're not like us and then infinitely uh, we can all come together and be better yeah can you uh, get into that background you, you touched on a little bit in the speech you said you grew up as one of 10 brothers and sisters yeah. just how did that shape you uh in the person you are today it definitely made me i mean i was always you know younger so mm-hmm. i was always kind of not a weak link but i had a lot of older brothers and stuff like that so uh it made me um made me tough it made me have to fight and grind for for everything and i i kind of adapted it here it's just a spartan way it's just how, who i am as a person so it fit well with me and then um you know growing up in the inner city you know facing you know a lot of the, the challenges that a lot of kids face today um, not all of them obviously but you know a good a good amount of them and being able to relate and understand them and i think that uh with a big family like that when you're financially challenged uh, you're gonna learn from that and you're from the state of michigan correct yep jackson michigan about 35 minutes from here yeah tell me about that hometown of yours uh yeah it's real small uh real small different couple different sides to it um you know the south side is more the inner city rough side if you go out west or out east uh you'll find you know a little bit better neighborhoods um but it's not that many people it's like 35, maybe 40,000 people at most, um, and uh, it's a little, little small communities. So uh, you mentioned some examples of how before you didn't see that much positive impact coming back into your community as far as you know, people that had made it out. What have you done to go back and, and kind of show, um, be that you know guiding light, like you said, to, to those people who uh, are from your hometown? Yeah, for one, I obviously go back to the schools um, that I, I went to and also schools that I, I played against or whatever, competed against, and try to just inspire the kids. You know, if a kid reach out to me, um, I try to build a mentor relationship to them. Um, I give them my phone number, uh, let them know that they can reach out to me anytime um, that, they, that they would like to. And also, um, a lot of my friends um, from the area I grew up in, you know, they're in prison and in jail. So I also go back and just talk to them, you know, try to look out for them, give them something that they need, give them a little bit of encouragement, you know, maybe if they need something on their books here and there. So I just try to um, try to go back to those that really, really need help. I feel that um, as people in some circumstances, maybe they can't control. And if I, could, if I could just use my platform to help them and just inspire them, uh, I feel like I've done my part. Yeah, I mean, it's great for, you know, people in that position to see someone like you who's been so successful. And I think on the flip side, like, it helps a lot if people without that perspective can go and kind of, you know, on both sides of, you know, politics or whatever, like, yeah. and see how people are living. I feel like it could help, you know, heal a lot of kind of the division that's going yeah. on right now. Yeah, definitely. Country. Whenever you get whenever you can get a, a different point of view, mm-hmm. and that's why I, I, like, I went, I lived in a certain neighborhood. My, my father sent us, you know, he sacrificed and sent us to private schools. So I was able to kind of learn about both. And then I was looking at the gap, and I feel like I just kind of want to bridge the gap. You know what I mean? So yeah. I feel like that's what I've been trying to do. Yeah, no doubt. So that's all great stuff, Kari. Uh, and then we'll get into football a little bit now and, and your path here to Michigan State. 
Um, you've seen some, you know, incredible highs and, and, and some significant lows with this yeah. program, you know, throughout your four years here in, in East Lansing. So how did you personally deal with, you know, the difficulties of, of going from a Big Ten championship caliber program to three and nine your sophomore year? Yeah, that was uh, that was tough for me, um, being on a losing, on a losing team, um, having a losing season. And then we also took a lot of blows in the offseason. Um, so like I said in the speech, um, our, our head strength of conditioning coach as well as Coach D, our position coaches, we all pretty much just had to go back and redig up and redefine mm-hmm. what our values were for our team simply because we were just so young, so inexperienced. And I think that once we did that, um, we kind of – kind of was able to, to pull it together a little bit but it was definitely a life learning you know opportunity for me I'm not playing as well my sophomore year and uh, basically getting benched you know and, and I feel like that humbled me and just let me know like you have to do what you did to get here you have to continue that and be better at that every single day and I feel like that helped me yeah one word that you, that you used heavily in that speech was uh, reaffirmation yeah. so how did you I guess specifically put that into action whether it was you know more reps uh, more time working out on your own how, how did you put that into action and, and turn it into uh you know, the success story that, that we've seen you going into your senior year. Yeah, but I, what I did is I had to just go back to my moral values. So I had to, you know, go back to, you know, church, go back to the areas that, that made me, that made up my character. I had to redefine my character. And then I had to redefine, you know, my work ethic. I had to say what I did last year was not enough. I had to look at who I was on film and tell myself that that is really me. You know, because sometimes you see yourself on film, you're like, man, I can't believe I did that, I did that, I did this. Then I had to watch some other players, you know, players that came before me, watch what they did, kind of adapt what they did, reach out to them. Darquez Denard helped me out a tremendous amount. You know, uh, R.J. Williamson, players that came here before me. So I had to reach out um, to players and, uh, and learn and then be able to grow uh, for myself. Were you surprised, uh, you know, just being honest, how quickly you guys became a top 15 caliber program? Just one year removed from pretty much a disaster season. I wasn't really surprised uh, simply because I knew what we had. And like you said, you had seen the highs and you had seen the lows. Uh, you kind of see, you know, what you have when you're going through the process. Mm-hmm. And I knew that we had, you know, something good. Um, I didn't know how good, but I knew we were going to be a lot better than mm-hmm. we were the year before. And now I feel like we have something just absolutely special, you know, returning, you know, a lot of guys back, um, a lot of chemistry and things of that nature. So I feel that um, I was not surprised, and I wouldn't be surprised if we were even better this year. Right. I was going to ask my next question. How do you translate that into this year? Make sure not only do you not have a drop-off, but that you're able to compete in such a tough division with the likes of Ohio State, uh Penn State and of course uh, the school up the road Michigan how, how do you translate that into this year yeah it all started it all started in the offseason I feel that uh, the work we put together in the offseason um, you know it, it pays off it goes a long way um, our, our coaches have tweaked some of our you know offseason you know systems or offseason processes um, for us to be able to get better at a faster rate and I feel that we've done that last year we've continued it this year so uh, I'm excited about the direction we're going obviously we want to move through camp as best we can keeping everybody healthy but uh, we, we, we've been getting after it and I think that uh, that that's what makes uh, you know Spartan football especially on the defensive, defensive side of the ball for sure and uh, Kari before we wrap up you know talked a lot about uh, your speech a lot about uh, Spartan football but I want to get into your your personal hobbies a little bit away from uh the community and the football field so what are some some hobbies or, or some things you enjoy off the field when you're not putting in community work and uh and when you're not out here in the practice field yeah well I've always been a basketball player so I, I enjoy um just shooting around you know put my headphones on just go out and get some shots up it's real peaceful for me um I also play Madden um okay. hang out with my teammates uh music is big in my family so every now and then I hop on the piano maybe sing a little bit and then, uh, and I like to write poetry. So those are the things I like to do. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna follow up a couple of those there. Uh, basketball. Who's your favorite basketball team and uh, favorite athlete? 
Favorite basketball team is wherever LeBron James goes. Okay, so you're, you're a LeBron fan. I'm a LeBron fan. That's my favorite athlete. And then my other favorite athlete is retired, but I would say Floyd Mayweather. I love, uh, I love boxing. All right, tell me how you uh, got into poetry. That's interesting. Yeah, poetry. Um, so my dad always encouraged me because I, I used to be a kid that had to express himself. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I do that in the wrong way. And he always told me, you know, just write it down. You know, write it down. Write. He encouraged me to write. And then... Uh, I didn't. I know I didn't want to rap or come up with a mixtape, but I knew I wanted to rhyme. So I just kind of put what I was feeling uh, in a poetic way, and uh, I feel like I had a pretty good poems. Do you share it anywhere? Is it, is it published anywhere? Where can we uh, find it? No, not yet. But I mean, if y'all want some, I'll give you some. Uh, all right, I'm gonna follow, follow through on that. <laughs> Got you. All right, Kari. Uh, thanks a lot for your time, man. Really appreciate it. Uh, thanks for you know putting your heart out there, especially on that Big Ten kickoff luncheon stage, and then on this podcast as well. So appreciate you being with me. Absolutely. Thanks for uh, you know for all the support and everything, and uh, we're ready to go this season. Go Green. For sure. Thanks once again to Kari for joining me. I really had a impactful discussion with him. Really enjoyed meeting and talking with him. And we'll move on now to our western leg of the Take 10 podcast, where we started in Madison, Wisconsin, with Badger defensive lineman Olivier Sagapolo. Got into his background, his uh, hidden talents, and, and a lot more. So without further ado, we'll kick it over to Camp Randall Stadium and Olivier Sagapolo. Very pleased to be joined here at Camp Randall Stadium, Madison, Wisconsin, by Badger defensive tackle Olive Sagapolo. Olive, my man, thanks for joining me and thanks for uh, doing it through the pain. You're just cramping up a little bit here. Yeah, you know, it was a hard practice. I feel pretty dehydrated, but uh, hey, gotta love fall camp. That's what uh, it's all about. Absolutely. Uh, I'm glad you're here. I'm especially glad you're here because, um, you know, this is stop number eight on our on our tour, and this is the first time I've got a lineman, so I don't know what's up with that. Oh, really? But I feel like you guys, are, you guys are a unique breed, man. What is it about you, you linemen that uh, makes you so different? I guess it's kind of we're kind of the guys that you don't really see. I mean, most of the people you see are linebackers, skilled players, mids, kind of running around, and most of them kind of get the glory. So I mean, it's kind of good to see that I can represent for the big men up front. But, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, you know, within that unique subculture with like linemen, you're kind of unique yourself. You know, you got a unique background for many reasons, and uh, we'll start with your path here. You know, to Madison. You're 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 not from this part of the country, so. Take me through, you know, first where you're born and where you grew up, and uh, what led you to Madison, Wisconsin. So I was born in Hawaii. Um, uh, I was born in Hawaii, and then I was thinking about it. A year later, I moved to American Samoa, which is a uh, small U.S. territory down in the South Pacific. It's about uh, 2,000 miles from uh, the coast of California, uh, and uh, yeah, we're just pretty much dead center in the <laughs> middle of the Pacific Ocean, but. Um, yeah, from then on, I was about 10, then I moved to California, kind of, for me, it was an opportunity to kind of leave some American Samoa and kind of go to some place where I can get an early jump on football and sports and school, and uh, yeah, eventually found myself there, and then I ended up going to high school at Modern Day High School, and then from there, kind of, they had a, I'm kind of happy that Wisconsin gave me an opportunity to kind of play for them, and so here I am now. Yeah, and football runs in your family, right? You got a mm-hmm. couple of, uh, is it uncles that have uh, yep. played in the Big Ten? Yep, uh, I had my uncle who plays now for Denver. He's uh, he used to play at Michigan State, uh, and then I also have another cousin who plays also for Denver. Um, but he went to Oregon State. But yeah, I have two relatives that play right now. Probably have a handful more that I don't know of, just because, as most people know, the Polynesian culture and there's a lot of us, and somehow, some way, we're always related somehow. But yeah, right. And uh, now you know you're a big football guy at a big football school here in Wisconsin, but. High school, you mentioned at uh, Matter Day. 
That's far from your only activity. You were uh, you were on the cheer squad, correct, out there? Yeah, I was. I did it just for my senior year, just to kind of do something fun and out of the box, I guess, a little bit. But uh, yeah, from then on, just did a little bit of cheerleading, just to kind of experience what it's like, what it's like to do, be a cheerleader. So, what first kind of got me interested is was, was learning how to do a backflip, and then from then on, just hanging out with the team and throwing some of the girls up. I mean, just hanging out with the people and just kind of meeting new people is probably the biggest thing for me. Right. You just judged a backflip competition for social media here. <laughs> You've gone viral with your backflips before, yeah. um, you know, doing them on the beach. When's your first backflip? When did you first pull off a backflip? I pulled it off my senior year of high school. Uh, I think I still got it on my Instagram. That was, uh, took me, took me a little bit. I mean, I did a couple on the uh, trampoline just to kind of make sure I got a feel for it. Then I just kind of threw it on the ground and then I did it. But, uh, that was my senior year of high school, and then now I wanted to see if I can do it again. That's the one that went viral, I guess. Yeah, but the yeah. one that went viral. You said your <laughs> what did your coaches say to you after they saw it? Oh, uh, they just said, "Wow, that looks really impressive. Don't do it again." Something <laughs> they kind of tells you. But I mean, for me, it was just I was bored at home and wanted to see if I can do one. Right, right. And, you know, took people, me a while. People can't see the podcast, but you know, you're a big defensive lineman. You know. Uh-huh. 300 pounds plus so yeah. that's uh, no small feat you're able to do that yeah. there's also been uh, images out there i think at a wisconsin basketball game you did the uh the toe touch uh how uh yeah. which comes easier i guess the toe touch or, yeah. the, or the backflip i'd say the toe touch probably i mean i think it's more just i think of it as just throwing my legs up i i don't i don't know how it i guess they just caught it at the right moment but it's not just me who can do it i mean i know there are a couple linemen out there who would be able to just do an easy toe touch but right. They just caught me at the right time, I guess. In all seriousness, though, that, that flexibility and that agility, I'm sure, serves you really well out in the field at your position. Yeah, I, yeah, I think so. But, I mean, it kind of just shows versatility in person. I mean, you're not really just a big guy. I mean, mm-hmm. you try to be one of those big guys who'd be able to move in space and kind of just quick off the feet, which is kind of for any offensive, defensive lineman. But, yeah, I think it got, I'd say it helps. Yeah. So, uh, you know, you get to Wisconsin, you bring this graceful athleticism with you. For a guy your size, but you know, you, you also bring a big personality to Wisconsin. Um, in an article about you, your mom said that you bring Aloha to a place uh, where there is no Aloha. So, not saying there's no Aloha here, but tell a mainlander what that that phrase means and what your mom meant by that. Uh, I think the word. I think when people say that he kind of brings out Aloha, it's kind of that family that family vibe that kind of. Um, I mean, a lot of people see me, and I mean, I know this is a podcast, but most people see me as like a very big. Some some think I'm scary, but the people who really really know me mm-hmm. think of me as like the weirdest, funniest person. I guess that's what I've just heard. But not to toot my own horn here, which I really don't like to do. But that's just some of the things that people say. It's kind of just that whole family vibe, and it's more of like a cool, relaxed kind of a thing. I think. Sure. And uh, I've heard that Olive knows everybody. So like, you know, you just walk down the streets here in Madison, and you know, people kind of flock to you. Is that is that accurate? Yeah, sometimes. But toot your own horn, man. It's, it's cool. It's, <laughs> I can't. I can't, man. It's, it's not a, I'm not a big person on tooting my own horn. But Look at it this way. You you know, this means you get long well with everybody. So yeah. what's an example maybe of, of you going outside, you know, the football team or the football culture to, to get to know people? Uh, I think for me it's just kind of just meeting. For me, I think one thing that I wanted to start was trying to meet people in other sports. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think since my sophomore, junior year, I tried to – go out and meet new different people kind of introduce my, never necessarily introduce myself but for me i'm more of a in i'm more of an introvert mm-hmm. so i mean unless i start getting comfortable then that's when i start coming out but um it's more just meeting people and then trying to make friends outside of my own sport i mean we uh most every guy on the team i pretty much know uh but then 
it's kind of there's it's, for me I like to have a big variety of different friends and different sports and different kinds of people just to kind of see what it's like and I mean I guess that's just I think that kind of correlates with the whole Aloha thing yeah and you know you kind of did the opposite of what your average midwestern college age kid does or tries to do you know that usually the midwestern kids try and find the beach you went from the beach to the midwest so <laughs> how have you adjusted to this town you know this part of the country and and especially uh the winters which you, you probably didn't get out in cali yeah, I mean, when I first came out here, it was probably the second or third time I've ever seen snow and kind of felt it. But uh, living in it, to be honest, not a not a big fan, but I mean, I'll do what I can. But I mean, I kind of enjoy it. But I think for me, I don't really look more of those Midwest as like uh, that's place that's not as good for weather. I think it was more of the relationships that I've made. I mean, through the coaching staff, through the people that I meet every day, it's kind of probably the biggest takeaway I have from Wisconsin is just kind of meeting nice people and kind of getting to know them. Yeah, Madison's worth it, man. Like, this town is, I always tell people it's my favorite Big Ten town. It's, <laughs> I love it. It's, it's a great time. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, let's just wrap up here, Olive, with some Badger football talk. Uh, you know, can't leave it out because you guys have built this thing into a monster here, uh, especially this last couple of years. Sky Hack expectations coming into the 2018 season. You're part of a returning defense that was uh, number two in total defense nationally. You're the anchor of that excellent, you know, run stuffing group. So, you know, what's what's your hunger hunger level like? Um, you know, after coming up short of the college football playoff last year, but still having an incredible season. Uh, I think for me personally, it's just more of a. Uh, I think it is a great opportunity to kind of showcase what we're about. Uh, I mean, as you probably know, that most people don't really necessarily count us towards a certain kind of team where they're, we're kind of high up there. I mean, we're more of like the people that they kind of just don't look towards to as kind of gaining much ground from that but I think I think it's kind of just the whole mentality that we have every day um our coaches really preach coming in every day and working uh trying to compete I think the earlier last week I had a uh time to kind of give a quote it's kind of everything that we do just we give a quote of quote of the day I think for me the biggest thing I said I just said compete it was more of a funny kind of a thing because I dressed up and kind of did my whole thing but I think that's one thing that we bring in every day is just the mind and willingness to compete and kind of get each other better so that just as long as everybody's doing their one eleven, I mean, there's a lot of things that can come out of that. What's the uh, best feeling on a football field? Like, is it a sack or a, you know, a tackle for the loss? What's the best feeling for you out on the field? Uh, I guess there's a number of different things that I that I kind of enjoy seeing. Uh, I love seeing other. I love seeing the linebackers come fly through the line as I know as like for me whenever I do my job correctly if I'm eating too and I see them fly through make a TFL that that's one thing that definitely excites me I mean like every other person I mean if you get a sack here or there you get a big tackle TFL those are definitely game-changing moments and that's kind of one of the things that it's very happy with. I think for me it's more just watching our linebackers go out make plays and have fun do you have a go-to sack dance I think I've just every time I've done it. I think I've just been like uh, doing the little train thing. I think my, I saw my cousin do it a couple times, and I thought that was pretty dope. But I don't know. We'll see what this. We'll see what this year holds. I mean, I might do something. I'm sure you got a few holes uh, <laughs> coming up this season. But uh, Levi, you've been really generous with your time, not only as a uh, backflip judge, but as a podcast guest. So appreciate it. Best of luck this season, and uh, thanks for uh, thanks for jumping on. Yeah, no problem. Thank you for having me. All right, thanks one more time to Olive for joining me. He was a lot of fun to meet and talk to. I uh, appreciate him having fun with it and, and hosting a backflip competition for us right before that interview and, and really uh, you know, being an easy guy to deal with, so appreciate that. For our final discussion of this episode, we will kick it over 
to Minneapolis, Minnesota, where we talk with Minnesota uh, linebacker Bailey Schoenfelder, who is recently out scholarship, had a really cool story to tell about how he received that scholarship and, and has a very cool background as well, coming from small town South Dakota, and uh, hoping one day to join the military, become a Navy SEAL, and uh, his scholarship situation is tied in with that by PJ Flex. So we'll get into that discussion right now as we head to Twin Cities and interview with Bailey Schoenfelder. All right, I'm very pleased to be joined here in Minneapolis uh, on the PTN bus tour following Go for Football practice by Minnesota linebacker Bailey Schoenfelder. Bailey, thanks for joining me today, man. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, um, glad you're here uh, in this brand new sparkling facility. It's a, an amazing facility, and I didn't plan to start out with this, but I, I can't, you know honestly proceed without admiring this and uh, getting your thoughts on just the the crazy new facility you guys have got set up here um, at the football complex. Yes, yeah, really insane. It has anything you could ever ask for and everything's brand new. I mean, um, we had no idea it was, when I, when I committed here, I had no clue that this was going to happen and it was pretty much just luck of the draw and it's beyond anything I've ever seen before. I mean, I've heard of places that are better, but I never seen one and it's it's not even just like a football facility like it's a living facility like we got we got a lounge with food we got couches and gaming systems and you can do pretty much anything you need to do here like we even sleep here during camp so yeah that's insane yeah i was gonna say from like you know the putting green to the pool tables to all that yeah. like do you have a favorite like cool amenity that, that uh you got in this, this complex oh yeah definitely my favorite is pool table that's yeah. one of a kind pool table and we had like custom made i think yeah it's Awesome. That lounge is sick. Just yeah, walk through there. It's incredible. Huh? All right, so moving on. Um, Bailey, it's cool because you know you're, you've become kind of a social media star in the last couple of weeks here. Uh, you know your name's been in the news a lot this past week because you probably had one of the coolest scholarship reveal experiences of all time. So in case anyone out there you know didn't see it, can you kind of tell the people listening um, what happened and how you received uh, notice that you were no longer a walk-on? You're on scholarship here at Minnesota. Right. So we uh, we had a normal practice. We we're going to TCF because we. Coach likes to get us to the stadium and get a feel for it. And we were just finishing up all our pre-practice stuff. We're doing a like a, like a tough yard drill, like a find-out drill on the goal line. And um, we were just finished that up, and somebody said something or noticed something, and like up in the air, there's two guys that had like red smoke, like a red smoke trail, and like American flag parachutes, kind of like spiraling down into the stadium. And um, Everybody was, at that point was it was a bustle, and we started wondering what was going on. I was confused, and one of them landed on one side, and one of them landed on the other. And I was like, once the one guy landed, I was going over to him, and then the opposite guy, um, Coach Flex, started talking to him, and we all got on the goal line, and we we're all seeing what was going on. And he said he had something for Coach Fleck. He had to Coach Fleck an envelope, um, said it was from Washington, <laughs> and. Uh, then Coach Fleck calls up my best buddy and one of my roommates, um, Coquif, to open the envelope, and uh, he opened it up and there's a paper in there that said like, "Congrats, Bailey, you're on scholarship" or something like that. And at that point, everybody freaked out, you know, and we all kind of mobbed around and kind of came to the realization. Yeah, that's amazing, and, and I encourage anyone out there who hasn't seen the footage, you know, just search on social media the Minnesota scholarship reveal because it was crazy. Like like you said, they literally parachuted into TCF Bank Stadium. Uh, handed your buddy the scholarship uh, notice, and, and then you found out. So just, you know, what was your immediate reaction besides all the overwhelming, you know, theatrics of it all? Just what did that mean to you to, to be put on scholarship here? Um, 
Well, I, well, I didn't really know what to do with myself at that point. Like, I was so overwhelmed, I probably didn't look like I had any emotions going on. But um, inside, I would definitely say immediately I felt like relief because I've been working a long time for that. And, like, my parents have been helping me out a lot with the financial stuff, and it, I was relieved to be able to take that off their shoulders with the hard work, you know, and everything. And then after that, I was obviously pretty joyful to be sharing that moment with all my teammates. And then um, after that, I moved on to, like, what's my next thing. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's a cool thing they kind of tailored for you personally because the Navy SEALs parachuting out, you know, that'd be cool for anybody, but yeah. uh, especially for you, just because of your background and the passion you kind of developed growing up in South Dakota. So, so tell me about growing up uh, in your hometown and of uh, Huron and, and how did your desire to, uh, and your passion for the military and desire to join the military come about? Right, so I grew up um, about 10 miles south of my hometown on a ranch. My family raises and sells quarter horses. Um, and I did all the sports and stuff in high school and all that, and there wasn't a whole lot to do in my hometown besides sports. And um, one of my best friends from high school, he was a year older than me, we, uh, we got this idea in our heads. I was a sophomore, he's a junior in high school. They're like, hey, we're gonna join the Marines. And we were already like workout fanatics, like we do it all the time with each other, like after practice and stuff like that. And we loved it and we started like training for the military. and. At that point, it was just kind of like a, you know, like a, like I was just like a kid and I was like, hey, yeah, the military, that sounds real cool. And after a while, I started looking into it. I started like reading books. I started really like thinking about like sort of the deeper like impact of actually joining the military. And it started really mean, meaning something to me. And then at that point, I was pretty committed to it by like the end of my junior year and then into my senior year. And um, so toward the end of my school year, I was, I had been working with like the Marines in like pool events, which is like, they have like little trainee things to send guys to boot camp. And uh, I'd been doing that as like a guest because I hadn't been enlisted yet. And um, my, about in the winter of my senior year, I was getting actually enlisted. I was going through processing to get enlisted and join the delayed entry program. And, um, we're doing all the medical stuff. It's this big, long process, like an all-day thing. You wake up at 4.30 and go all day to get processed. And we're doing all the medical stuff about halfway through the day, and I took my hearing test. I left to go do something else, and they came and got me, took me to, a, took me to the doctor to check my ears, see if my ears were plugged up or anything like that. They were fine. I went back, took my hearing test again, and at that point, they just, like, sent me home. They just put me on a bus and sent me home from Sioux Falls. Um, and I... I didn't know what to do with myself at that point because like that was all I was going to do. I didn't have another plan. I didn't want to do anything else. So that really, that was kind of pulled out from underneath me and I was kind of stunned for a while. And then obviously like I was talking to my parents and stuff and like I had to do something. Like I wasn't going to not go to college. So I had applied here and I had been accepted a long time ago. Like it was like on a suggestion from one of my like wrestling coaches like we or at least have like some sort of backup, some plan. So I had applied here, and I still could have applied to some other schools, but I had applied here. I liked the sound of this school, and I had talked to my brother, Kurt, who had my oldest brother, who threw, who did track and field here, and um, he said, yeah, it was a great school. Like, he wouldn't have asked for anything different. He, like, he met his wife here. He had a great education, got a great job, all that stuff. I have family close here, 
And I was like, yeah, Minnesota sounds good. And I didn't just want to go to school either because that's not really my style. Like, I got to have something like sports or something like the military to do with myself, you know, be part of something. And um, so literally what I did is Coach Clays was like the interim head coach here at the time, and I literally called him on a cell phone and had a conversation with him. And at the end of the conversation, he was like, yeah, we'll offer you a preferred walk-on spot. And then at that point, I trained all summer. I couldn't afford to come here for summer like training like most freshmen do. And then I showed up for camp in 2016 in August and been here ever since. So just uh, back on a little bit. So what exactly was the uh, hearing problem that the military wouldn't uh, allow you to proceed with that? Right. So I had no idea. Like, I can't even really tell. Yeah. Like, I can hear anything that you would expect to hear. Um, what it is is I have a high-frequency hearing deficit is what they called it. And, like, if you look at the audiogram, it's all straight across perfect hearing, and then there's a dip at, like, 4,000 and, like, 5,000 hertz, which is a pretty high frequency. It's, like, the frequency of, like, like most, like, guns and, like, a jackhammer, mm-hmm. I believe. And, um, it, like, I, it was, like, mild to severe hearing loss, which is just under the cut. And it, it was, I, I didn't notice, but it was enough for them to kick me out. And what it was is what I was told, because I've been to several doctors and had it looked at pretty extensively um is because i grew up on a ranch you know i we were we have a lot of old machinery we had to make hay for the horses and i'd always run the tractors and they didn't have cabs they were loud old machines um shot a lot of guns without hearing protection um all sorts of different stuff like that and it just kind of put a little dent in my hearing that really ended up getting me in the end right and that's unfortunate but you know you mentioned uh, another door open with coach clay's mm-hmm. and uh once coach clay's left uh Coach Fleck arrived, and obviously you guys have built a special bond that comes through like clearly in that video when you uh, when he gave you the scholarship, you know, embraced you and all that. So how did that bond with a guy who didn't recruit you, who didn't bring you in, how did that develop with a guy like Coach Fleck? Um, well, I feel like like as men and as people, we're pretty similar. I feel like we clicked right away, like like me with him personally and with his culture that he brings with him. Um, Because that's just, that's really my style. You know, he talks about the how and, like, the unconquerable will and all that stuff. And that's always been kind of what I've put all my chips on and what I've really made myself with. Um, And from that point on, like, I knew, like like anybody else, I wasn't sure. Like, when he first showed up, you know, it was completely different than anything I'd ever experienced. But, like, sooner than most people I imagine, I, I was committed in my mind and ready to do whatever I needed to for Coach Fleck. And... I feel like he saw that, and then we just became pretty close over time because we've spent a lot of time together so far. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, you see Coach Fleck do this for not just you, but some other walk-ons in special ways. You know, there was one in the Jumbotron at the spring football game. He had a, uh, a young patient at the Children's Hospital um, give it to one of his you know football player buddies. It uh, was another example. So he really seems to enjoy, you know, making this experience special. And uh, that kind of ties into, like, a big selling point that you're – Recruiters have talked to us about, recruiting coaches have talked to us about, like, the experience that the coaching staff tries to create for you guys outside of football. Like, you guys went to a Beyonce and Jay-Z concert um, a couple weeks ago. How, how was that, just being able to, to do that with your with your teammates? That was pretty crazy. Like, we, um, this camp, we kind of, last camp, they caught us off guard with all this stuff. And this camp, we kind of, like, had some idea that we are probably going to do some team bonding stuff. And we were talking about it earlier that day, and somebody was like, oh, yeah, there's a Jay-Z Beyonce concert in town. And we're like, oh, yeah, right, yeah, we'll do that. And it turns out we did, and they revealed it. And um, 
everybody was really excited about it. And it's not like it's not even like I don't even listen to that kind of music, but um, I was still excited about it because it's they're like really it's almost like like the Beatles were like even if you didn't listen to the Beatles like they were still the Beatles like Jay Z and Beyonce are big time, and to go to go there with all those people and see something like that like how well orchestrated it was and how like perfectly they performed it and it was like three hours long it was really something it was really impressive it was a once in a lifetime thing for sure absolutely um so before i let you go bailey i just want to ask one more football related question here um you obviously still have quite a bit of football career ahead of you here in minnesota Mm -hmm. minnesota moves into year two under coach fleck um what signs have you seen just around the program aside from this insane facility we're sitting in right now to show you, you know, that the way this thing is being built, the the, the process, how it's proceeding, uh, what have you seen to indicate to you that everything's moving forward, uh, you know, in the right direction, correctly, and uh, at a good pace? Well, the biggest thing, and we've talked about it since day one, Coach Fleck talks about it all the time, is um, definitely, like, the camaraderie and, like, the connection between all of my teammates. Like, I'm, like closer and more connected with so many people on this football team than I would have ever imagined because I'm not a really outgoing guy. I don't make a lot of friends. I make a few friends and I make good friends. And like I'm really good friends with a lot of people on this football team more than I'd ever imagined myself being. And that's one of the major keys, if not the key, to becoming a championship football team. Coach Fleck talks about it all the time is being truly connected and being a family instead of just a group of guys. Awesome. That's the biggest thing I've noticed. All right, Bailey. Well, you've been uh, really generous with your time. Um, and your 15 you know, minutes of social media fame is still you know, still alive and well right now. So I appreciate you sitting down with me, sharing your story, and best of luck going forward, man. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you. Yep. Thanks. Thanks one more time to Noah, Kari, Bailey, and Alive for joining me. A lot of fun talking to those guys and meeting them. Uh, i got much more to come here on the Take 10 Podcast, BTN Bus Tour Edition 2018. Got two episodes down, eight interviews down. I think we'll try and knock out the last five on an episode to come, most likely next week. Uh, the tour is about to wrap up, and 14 schools will have been visited by our BTN crew, and, and I believe we'll have 13 players that we'll have talked to. So, lots to get to, lots to cover, and uh, we've done eight of the 13 so far. So, go back and check out episode number one if you haven't already. Definitely check out episode number three to come, and I hope you enjoyed episode two. So until next time, we'll talk to you again on the Take 10 Podcast.